are listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI Radio in New York. I'm John Tarleton, the Indies Editor in Chief. You can find our May print edition in our red and white news boxes across the city. You can also find us online at independent.org, I N D Y P E N D E N T dot O R G. Cross border fighting escalated today in historic Palestine with Israeli jets carrying out airstrikes in the Gaza Strip while Hamas launched rockets at Tel Aviv and other Israeli cities. Officials in Gaza report that 26 Palestinians, including nine children, have been killed. Two people in Israel were also reported killed. The military clashes followed protests in East Jerusalem over an Israeli move to evict Palestinian families from their homes in East Jerusalem. Over the weekend, Israeli forces entered the Al-Asqa Mosque, also in East Jerusalem, and fired tear gas and stun grenades. An estimated 300 Palestinians were injured, along with 20 Israelis. Our first guest, Alex, journalist Alex Kane, will help us make sense of this conflict as well as its impact on a heated mayoral race back here in New York City. Before we go to Alex, we're going to check in with the, in, the Indies' Ashley Marinaccio, who is at a Palestinian solidarity rally uh, that was slated to start uh, today at 5 p.m. outside the Israeli consulate in Midtown at 42nd and 2nd Avenue. Ashley, are you there? <laughs> Ashley. Hi. Hi. Uh, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, yeah, I am here at the protest in support for Palestine. We have about 200 people here. Um, we're on the corner of 42nd and 2nd Avenue across the uh, street from the Israeli consulate where um, it's a group, various uh, activist groups from across New York. There's the um, Alauda uh, United for Palestine, the Palestinian Prisoner Network, um, and a lot of independent activists as well. I see a lot of people who were, um, uh, there's a woman getting off the bus now, there's more and more people joining us. But a lot of people who've been united in the struggle for Black lives um, across uh, from last summer and um, different activist groups. Right. And, and what, what are the messages people are uh, putting forward? Um, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Free, free Palestine. Long live Palestine. Uh, there's drumming, a lot of excitement. There's dancing. There was um, a group of Jewish, um, a, a group of um, Orthodox Jewish men who came and um, prayed alongside uh, some of the Muslim men um, before earlier today. Um, there's a there's a lot of support across uh, very uh, across diverse groups. Right, and we expect more people to join the rally uh, as oh, they, there's more they get more, off work. Yeah, yeah, there's there's more and more people coming. It's getting larger and larger. It's um, you know, I, I think you see it behind me. It's now kind of taking up most of the block, and I expect that more people. It, I mean, it's just getting started. Right. All right. But we'll, we'll continue to join. We'll continue to follow this, and we. We know you'll be out there for the duration of the rally. We'll also have video uh, online at independent.org uh, later today, also from uh, Kenneth Lopez of the Indy, who's uh, at the same protest. So, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us live from the field uh, outside the Israeli consulate in Midtown at 42nd and 2nd Avenue. Thank you, John. See you soon. Okay. You bet. So, again, uh, uh, Palestinian Solidarity Rally taking place outside the Israeli consulate uh, in Midtown at, at 42nd and 2nd Avenue, just down the street from the United Nations. 
And um, so this is a, a conflict that's uh, obviously drawing a lot of attention and a lot of concern. And uh, our, our first uh, guest uh, here, journalist Alex Kane, will uh, help us uh, make sense of this uh, conflict. Alex has uh, covered the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and its various uh, iterations and uh, related uh, uh, matters uh, for the past decade. Uh, he's a contributing writer for the Jewish Current, 972 Magazine. He also writes for The Intercept. And he's also written about these matters uh, for The Independent. Uh, Alex, welcome to WBAI Radio. Thanks, John, for having me. You bet. Uh, so uh, just to, to kick this off, uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is often seen as a, a complicated one. Obviously, it's a, a, a long-running one, uh, going back at least to 1948, uh, with the founding of Israel, if not further back. And, uh, but this uh, um, latest uh, eruption, uh, what were the immediate causes of this? How did this get rolling? Um, okay. So yeah, you're, you're right that it, it, it goes back to, to 1948 and even before, but of course the current eruption of intense violence um, has roots in, in the past couple of weeks. Although I should say that um, uh, while for most Israelis, the, uh, occupation and and violence um, that uh, that that is present in Israel Palestine is 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 often ignored by most Israelis because it can be ignored. Palestinians live under violence every day. That said, the eruption of this more intense violence um, happened uh, around. Um, the start of Ramadan, the Islamic holy month. Most Palestinians are Muslims, although of course there are um, there's a, a, a minority of Palestinians who are Christian. But um, in Jerusalem, um, Israeli police made the um, decision to block off Damascus Gate from Palestinian gatherings at night. This set off um, uh, protests by Palestinians and were suppressed um, with brute force by Israeli forces. Um, there were also um, videos being uploaded of Palestinians attacking um, some Jewish residents of Jerusalem on the light rail, which inflamed tensions. Um, and the clashes at Damascus Gate um, were inflamed by Israel's um, attempt to evict uh, six uh, sorry, four families in Sheikh Jarrah, which is a Palestinian neighborhood in Israeli-occupied East Jerusalem, which has long been coveted by Israeli settlers. The Israeli Supreme Court recently delayed hearing a case for about 30 days on this eviction case. So um, the, the Palestinian families remain in their homes, although they may be thrown out um, sometime this year. We're, we're, it's unclear, but the fight over Sheikh Jarrah, which, which also has a long history, um, was fueling um, a lot of, of anger amongst Palestinians at uh, Israel and the Israeli settler movement, which has an unrelenting drive to take over Palestinian East Jerusalem and implant more Israeli settlers there. Um, so this, as this was going on, um, uh, you know, uh, in Gaza, uh, Hamas was warning Hamas, the ruling uh, faction in, in Gaza that governs the Gaza Strip, which has been under Israeli blockade since 2007. Hamas warned Israel to um, halt its escalation in Jerusalem. And um, and then they fired rockets uh, beginning a couple of days ago into Israel, which sparked uh, a massive Israeli assault on the Gaza Strip, which is currently uh, ongoing. Right. We'll talk about more about this uh, uh, assault in, in a moment. But real quickly, uh, can you uh, touch on the significance of the Al-Asqa Mosque? And uh, it's located on the site of what was the, the 
the first and, and second uh, temple uh, for uh, Jewish people during biblical times. The, that second temple was demolished by the Romans in 70 AD. And, and the, the Al-Asqa Mosque, I believe, has been on that uh, same uh, site for over uh, a thousand years. Um so That's right. you, you have you have two uh, two groups that claim the the same land that uh, means quite a lot to both of them. That's right. Um, the Al Aqsa Mosque is the holiest Muslim site in Jerusalem. It is not the holiest uh, Muslim site in the world. That would be in uh, Saudi Arabia, but um, it is the holiest site in Jerusalem itself. Um, so it does have religious significance to Palestinians and also the global Muslim community. Um, but it also has significance beyond just that it's a it's a site for for Muslims where they believe the Prophet Muhammad uh, traveled to and ascended uh, to heaven from there. Um, it, it, it it's a it's a deeply it has deep political significance for Palestinians because um, Israel conquered the West Bank and East Jerusalem in 1967, um, but because of the sort of explosive and religious religiously volatile nature of that site, they did not take over um, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, instead striking an agreement with Jordanian authorities, which uh, fund and control the Islamic authority, the, the Palestinian Islamic authorities that run uh, Al-Aqsa. And so um, it's really a site where Palestinians where, where, where Palestinians have full control over a deeply significant site, which is not the case in, 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 in a lot of places throughout Jerusalem. So the battle for control over Al-Aqsa is deeply uh, significant to Palestinians who want to hold on to it as a way to um, push back against creeping Israeli takeover of the rest of East Jerusalem. Right. And, and of course, for the uh, so-called Christian Zionists here in the United States, many of them uh, aligned with the Republican Party. Uh, that that site uh, they see, I think, is a potential is the site for where the third uh, Jewish temple would go, and and connects into all their uh, um, visions of uh, you know sort of a, an apocalyptic uh, uh, conclusion to history um, that would uh, bring Jesus back to Earth. So that. Yeah, there's a lot going on there and with all the significance around that for, for different groups. But the, the, this conflict that has escalated, just going back to that real quickly, um, can you talk about just the asymmetrical nature of this conflict? Because we, we hear about, uh, you know, from supporters of Israel that it's under, you know, under attack, you know, from terrorism and et cetera, et cetera. But how, how asymmetrical is this conflict uh, in, in its uh, military dimension uh, that, that's now starting to unfold? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because it's often lost in the headlines because you see, you know, Israel Israel and Palestine, you know, trading blows or Israelis and Palestinians fighting or clashing, which, you know, is journalistic shorthand and under you know, I understand why journalists may may need to use that, but it does obscure the fundamental excuse me, power imbalance between um Israelis and Palestinians. So the first thing to understand is that there is only um one uh, ruling um, ultimate ruling authority in all of the land of Israel Palestine that is Israel. Uh, there is a Palestinian authority which is confined to about 18% of the occupied West Bank and only really governs major Palestinian cities. Um, so Israel and of course Israel controls everything that gets in and out of the West Bank, even though there is a Palestinian authority. So that's one thing. Palestinians don't have a government um, with the all the trappings of sovereignty. 
So that's the one thing to understand, one thing to understand about the asymmetrical nature. And in terms of the military dimension, right? Israel is um, the most powerful military in the Middle East. And of course, is armed to the teeth by the United States government, which sends about $3.8 billion a year to Israel's military, um, which uh, you know funds sophisticated uh, weapons like F-16 fighter jets and tanks and bombs and rifles and tear gas and 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 so on. Um, whereas Palestinian, the Palestinian uh, 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 fighters uh, have very crude uh, homemade rockets. Um, uh, often, um, you know, funded by their 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 other patrons in the Middle East, like like Iran, um, and they uh, they fire these rockets pretty indiscriminately, right? I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to downplay that fact that the rockets that Hamas and other Palestinian factions in Gaza are firing at um, Israel, they have no, there's no guidance system on these rockets. They're really firing them wildly, and they are hitting uh, civilian areas in Israel, which human rights groups have also called um, a war crime, but. The, the fundamental fact is that Israel has one of the most technologically sophisticated militaries in the world, and the Palestinians, of course, do not. They have armed factions that have, uh, at most, crude homemade rockets uh, that are being fired into Israel. Right, almost like kind of like a, a, a DIY uh, militia. Uh, um, so uh, we have to wrap up here in a minute or two. Uh, whenever these uh, this kind of uh, conflict uh, erupts. Uh, in Israel, Palestine, of course, it, it reverberates here in New York City, and, all, and we happen to be at a point where we're about six weeks out from the Democratic primary that will essentially decide who the next mayor of New York is. And uh, yesterday, uh, both frontrunners, um, Andrew Yang and Eric Adams, very emphatically tweeted their support for Israel. And um, a, as you noted in the headlines, uh, really, Diane Morales was the only mayoral contender to to push back uh, and insist on um protection for the uh, the Palestinians. Uh, can you just talk a little bit more about the the impact of Israel on New York City politics and, and how you expect it maybe to play out in the in the coming weeks with this uh, latest conflict? Yeah. Um, so it, it, uh, it in case it's not obvious to, to listeners, you know, New York City has the world's um, largest population of um, Jews in, in the world outside of Israel, although it may be nearly um, um, on parity with um, with with Tel Aviv, um, Israel's um, largest city. So there is, of course, a historic connection between New York's Jewish community and Israel. Um, and um, I should say, many Jews have many Jews in New York have family in Israel. They care deeply about Israel. They follow Israeli news. Um, but I should also say that the Jewish community in New York is divided on the question of Israel's treatment of Palestinians, which many consider um, to be abhorrent. Um, as the 54-year uh, occupation of uh, West Bank, Jerusalem, and Gaza continues with all of the human rights abuses that that entails, while the Jewish establishment in New York um, is an unrelenting supporter of Israel. And so when you have this, the, the, the establishment and the major political players in, the, in New York's Jewish community are um, in, uh, right-wing on Israel, and, and that's who Andrew Yang and Eric Adams are appealing to and pandering to. Um, I don't think Andrew Yang necessarily knows a lot about Israel-Palestine, but he knows that saying the right things about Israel uh, will win him votes, and that's exactly what he's doing. Um, uh, I'll just wrap this up in 10 seconds that you yeah. know, Andrew Yang um, uh, has, has shown a lot of ignorance about Palestinians, has compared Palestinian movement to boycott Israel to Nazi-era boycotts, which is a which is a, a ridiculous comparison, 
but he is appealing to the most reactionary elements in the Jewish community to win the votes uh, so he can be mayor. And, and, and it may well work as he's leading in the polls. Indeed. Well, we'll have to leave it there. But Alex Kane, thank you so much for joining us this evening on WBAI Radio. Thanks, John. You bet. And uh, we look forward to more of Alex's uh, coverage of this issue. And you can also fo- uh, follow Alex on Twitter at Alex B. Kane. Uh, we'll be back with more after this short break. We'll talk uh, more about the mayoral election uh, with uh, Rose Adams of The Intercept, who has been delving into the uh, the controversy around uh, the comptroller Scott Stringer, uh, uh, alleged to have uh, uh, sexually assaulted uh, Gene Kim, a city hall lobbyist uh, who he knew 20 years ago. And uh, anyway, uh, we'll be talking more about that and what uh, Rose's uh, investigations uh, have found. I'm not afraid to 